as winter drags on and the days grow shorter, I'm sometimes almost certain I hear a noise. As if someone is playing the organ. I don't hear it every evening, but very often. Usually when I'm sitting with Miss Rosamond after I put her to bed and keeping quite still in the nursery. Then I hear it, booming away in the distance. One morning, when I was in the kitchen with the others, I asked about it. Good heavens, child. You're truly a gout for taking the wind sighing among the trees for music. As butler, old James is head of my lord's household. What nonsense! But I saw his wife Dorothy look at him fearfully. And Agnes, the kitchen maid, said something beneath her breath and went quite white. Now, no more talk of this. Go and fetch young Rosamond for breakfast. Did as I was told and left to find my dear little Rosie. I could see they did not like my question. I decided to wait until I was with Agnes alone, when I knew I could get a good deal out of her. As nurse to Miss Rosamond, I was even with James and Dorothy at Fernville Manor, but above Agnes, who was only the kitchen maid. If I tell you this, you must never tell. Promise me. I promise. It's a very strange noise, and I've heard it many a time. Folks say it's the old lord playing on the great organ in the hall, just as he used to when he was alive. Who the old lord is or why he plays on stormy evenings, I cannot tell. You cannot tell or you won't tell. Please, don't ask me any more. I think it rather pleasant to have such grand music rolling about the house, don't you? Please, Hester. Let's not talk about it ever again. And with that, she was gone. Off to continue her chores for old James and Dorothy. But it's true. I did think the music was grand. Never mind who might be the player. For it rose above the great gusts of wind and wailed and triumphed, just like a living creature. Only it was always music and tunes. So it was nonsense to call it the wind. For a while, I thought it might be old Miss Furnival who played Unknown to Agnes. So one day, when I was in the great hall by myself, I went to the organ for a closer look. It was so brave and fine on the outside. Very grand looking indeed. So I opened it to take a peek inside. But it was all broken and destroyed inside and filled with cobwebs and dust. Even though it was noonday, my flesh began to creep a little, so I shut it up, and ran away quickly to the bright nursery. I did not like hearing the music for some time after that. I love my dear little Miss Rosamond, and swore to her poor mother just before she died that I would never leave my darling child. Alas, that was a sad day. And my poor Rosie, only five years old. But even if my poor mistress had never spoken a word, I would have gone with the little child to the end of the world. Before my mistress died, she left instructions for Miss Rosamond to be put in the care of her uncle, a Lord Fernville. I was told he lives in a grand house in Northumberland, but we were not to live there. Instead, we were sent to live at Furnville Manor, here on the foot of the Cumberland Falls. We were told it was a very healthy place, and that it would suit Miss Rosamond well for a few years, 
and that being there might perhaps amuse his old aunt. So I was bidden by my lord to have Rosie's things ready in a few days, and he would send his gentleman, who would take us to Furnival Manor in a carriage. Wake her up, miss. I think the child should see the park and manor house as we drive up. I thought it a pity to wake her, but I did as he bade me for fear he should tell my lord. See here, the gate. The property it stands for two miles round. Truly a breathtaking expanse. I saw an empty moor with rocks and gnarled thorn trees. Here and there a few oaks dotted the landscape, all white and peeled with age. Mm. Are we there yet? Almost, my child. Look, there it is. Furnival Manor. It was a great, stately house indeed, with many trees close around it, some branches hung broken down. No one seemed to take much charge of the place. The carriageway was covered in moss. It was a desolate-looking place, but very grand. Nearby was a thick, dark wood of oak and birch, and behind that rose the fells, unenclosed and bare enough. Whoa there, Betty! Drive up! What's going on? Take us to the door. I'm trying to, sir. But poor Betty, she's spooked. Then get down and walk her there, ma'am. We have a small child with us. You can't expect us to carry all this luggage. Uh, of course, sir. This is it, children. Your new home. My lord wants you to both always do as you're told and be a comfort and joy to the household. Miss Furnival is quite elderly, and I'm told Miss Stark, the companion, will not tolerate any misbehaviour. Now, it's been a very long journey, and I know you're both tired. But first, we must greet our hosts and let them know we are very grateful for allowing us to live here. Do we understand? Yes, sir. Here we are, sir. Thank you, driver. Come along, children. When we entered the front hall, I thought we would be lost. It was so vast and grand. There was a chandelier all of bronze hung down from the middle of the ceiling. I had never seen one before, and I looked at it all amazed. At one end of the hall was a great fireplace, and by it were heavy, old-fashioned sofas. At the opposite end of the hall, to the left as you went in, was the organ, built into the wall, and so large that it filled up the best part of the wall. The afternoon was closing in, and the large hall, which had no fire in it, looked dark and gloomy. It was old James who had opened the door for us, and now he led us through a door at the furthest side of the organ, then through several small halls and passages. We soon entered a cheerful-looking drawing room, full of comfortable furniture and a roaring fire. Two very elderly women sat there, working on a large tapestry between them. The children have arrived, Mum. What did he say? Do speak up, James. You know Miss Furnival is hard of hearing. It's Miss Rosamond, Mum, the young cousin of Lord Furnival, accompanied by her nurse. Old Miss Furnival was thin and tall and had a face so full of fine wrinkles, it was as if they had been drawn all over it with a needle's point. Her eyes were watchful. To make up, I suppose, for her being so deaf as to be obliged to use a trumpet. Mrs. Stark, her maid and companion, was almost as old as she was. Must be very tired after your long drive. I was later told that Mrs. Stark had lived with Miss Furnival ever since they both were young, and was now more like a friend than a servant. Oh, such pretty young things. Welcome to Furnival Manor, my dears. Yes, yes. 
James, please show the children to their rooms. Old James led us out of the great drawing room into another sitting room, and out of that, and then up a great flight of stairs, and along a broad gallery, which was something like a library, having books all down one side and windows and writing tables down another, till we came to our rooms, which I was not sorry to hear were just over the kitchens, for I began to think I should be lost in that wilderness of a house. It was an old nursery that had been used for all the little lords and ladies long ago, with a pleasant fire burning in the grate, the kettle boiling on the hob, and tea things spread out on the table. And out of that room was the night nursery, with a little crib for Miss Rosamond close to my bed. Both old James and his wife Dorothy were so hospitable and kind that by and by Miss Rosamond and me began to feel quite at home. One, two, three, four, five, six. You're counting too fast. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready or not, here I come. Hmm. Now, where did she go? Rosamond, what are you doing behind the tapestry? Shh, we're playing hide and seek. Yes. Well, Miss Dorothy, have you seen Rosie? <laughs> I can't seem to find her anywhere. Oh, dear. You mean she's lost? Maybe she's in the East Wing, where we're never supposed to go. Oh dear, we shall have to gather a search party. Here I am. Oh, my sweet and clever girl. What say? You and I ask Dorothy about the pictures. Mrs. Dorothy, who are all these people on the wall? Ah, those are family portraits, Rosie. Pictures of some of our Lord's family. Maybe there'll be a picture of you up there someday, Rosie. Would you like to see the painting of Miss Furnival when she was younger? Oh, yes, please. Come, I'll show you. Dorothy led us to the old state drawing room, where there were a great many more portraits hanging, and pointed to one of them. There, that is our Miss Furnival, or Miss Grace, as she was called in those days. Folks change, sadly. Flesh is grass, as they say. Miss Furnival had a sister, an elder sister, and she was even more handsome than Miss Grace. But if I show you her picture, you mustn't let on. You've seen it. We won't tell anyone, will we, Rosie? I won't tell. I helped Dorothy turn a great picture leaning with its face towards the wall, not hung up as the others were. This is the elder sister. To be sure, it beat Miss Grace for beauty. Oh dear, I shouldn't have. James told me never to show it to anyone. And what do I do? Sure, it's all right. It's just a portrait, Dorothy. But we won't tell. Let's play hide-and-seek again. You're it, Hester. I promise. Yes, well, you best go find the child. There are some places about the house where I would ill like her to go. Please, whatever you do, keep her out of the East Wing. I will. Dorothy and James were always telling us to stay out of the East Wing, though of course they never told us why. Sometimes I stand in the west drawing room and look out the window into the courtyard that looks towards it. It's a lonely-looking place, covered with vines, some holly trees just beyond. At night, when the wind starts to blow, I hear the organ music. I never told Rosamond about my visit to the old organ and how it's covered in cobwebs and dust and so broken it's not fit for anybody to play. I don't want to scare her, and I've never brought it up with Dorothy and James again. Instead... I stay quiet, try to shut my ears, and mind my place. 